Welcome to the House of God podcast presented by the Collective Choir on Eau Claire Hometown Media. We'll share sermons to help you get to know a different Chippewa Valley church each week and to keep you up to date with the Collective Choir. I'm Shane Spencer, and here's your host, Zachariah Putney. Hey there, this is Zachariah. This is episode four of the podcast. We are sharing Chippewa Valley Bible Church with you this week. I grew up in Chippewa Falls and had lots of friends go there and enjoy it. Several of our choir members attend Chippewa Valley Bible Church, and it was highly recommended to me to share on this podcast. You can find them at cvbc.net or physically at 531 East South Avenue, Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin. They are a Bible church. They focus a lot on the Bible, and all their sermons are straight out of Scripture. Right here today, you will see that pretty clearly um, as they preach out of Acts 15. Pastor Troy Salava will be sharing today on the true gospel as a sermon podcast. It's about time we have a sermon on the gospel. So, here you go. It is good to gather with you all. We are going to be in the book of Acts this morning. This is actually going to be our last sermon in the book of Acts for a while until next fall. And hopefully uh, next fall we will finish up the remaining 13 chapters. But today we're going to be in Acts chapter 15. So please turn there if you have your own Bible. If you're using one of the Bibles in the pew, it's on page 923. 923. Uh, After after today, we're going to do a couple weeks of uh, Advent or Christmas-themed sermons. And then starting in January, we'll pick back up in Mark where we left off last spring. So that's where we're headed. But this morning, uh, we're going to read the entire text here of the passage, Acts 15, 1 through 35, and then we're going to preach about what this passage means and how it applies to our lives and our church's life. Acts 15, 1 to 35. This is the word of the Lord. But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers... Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And after Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and debate with them, Paul and Barnabas and some of the others were appointed to go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and the elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles and brought great joy to all the brothers." When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and with the apostles and the elders, and they, all de- and they declared all that God had done with them. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders were gathered together to consider this matter, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, having cleansed their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus, just as they will. And all the assembly fell silent, and they listened to Barnabas and Paul as they related 
what signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they finished speaking, James replied, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first visited the Gentiles to take from them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. After this, I will return, and I will rebuild the tent of David that has fallen. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will restore it, that the remnant of mankind may seek the Lord, and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from of old. Therefore, my judgment is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God, but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols, and from sexual immorality, and from what has been strangled, and from blood. For from ancient generations Moses had in every city those who proclaim him, for he is read every Sabbath in the synagogues. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brothers with the following letter. The brothers, both the apostles and the elders. To the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to whom had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. That is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Father, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things in your word this morning. Spirit, help us and sanctify us. Amen. These 35 verses in Acts 15, I believe, are the most important and foundational event in the New Testament besides the death and resurrection of Jesus. What we just read, I believe, is the most important moment in Christian history apart from the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because if this event would have not happened, if it was not in our Bible you and I would probably not be worshiping here together in Chippewa Falls. You see, this passage describes the defense of the true gospel for all people. In a moment, we're going to look at the details of this fight and this debate. But if the true gospel would have not been fought here in Acts 15, most likely you and I would not be Christians. We would not be gathering this morning. So this event in the Bible, though we often read things like this just as a history and we turn the page and we don't think much about it, this is crucial and monumental for Christianity and history and our lives. And this passage reveals the fighting for the true gospel matters. Not to change the gospel or edit the gospel, 
but the true gospel. And that's what this passage is about. So let me put it to you another way. Let me give you the main point. The main point is this. The true gospel of Jesus Christ shall not be added to or subtracted from. It alone is sufficient for salvation. The true gospel of Jesus shall not be added to or subtracted from. It can't be edited or tweaked because the the true gospel is sufficient for salvation. This passage is a battle over the simple yet crucial question, what does it mean for a person to become a Christian? What does it take for someone to be saved from their sins? And Christians around the world proclaim the answer is the gospel. But the problem here is in our passage, we have two types of gospels. There's a true gospel and a false gospel in our passage. In our story, one group, a group of Jewish Christians, believe one must receive Jesus and be circumcised. The other believe you must receive Jesus and Jesus alone and you will be saved. Both are proclaiming gospels and teachings Both are preaching, and yet only one of these groups is right. The question, how can I become a Christian, or what is the true gospel, or how do I find salvation and deliverance from my sins, are the most important questions that anyone could ever ask. And this is what Acts 15 is about. We see in the the first part of this passage, starting in verse 1, that a group of men from Judea came down to Antioch to begin to teach the Christians there at the church. And what did they teach and preach? Well, verse 2 and 5 tells. Verse 2 says, They taught that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And then in verse 5, it, it shows that. It says it's necessary to circumcise the Gentiles and to order them to keep the law of Moses. This group of men essentially are proclaiming that you must not only believe in Jesus, but also practice the Old Testament law to be saved. This is a false gospel. These men are attempting to add something to the gospel of Jesus. They are editing it or tweaking it or adding more obstacles to the gospel from their own wisdom, their own preferences. And by adding to or subtracting from or editing the gospel of Jesus, you are proclaiming that Jesus himself is not good enough to save you. That his salvation is not sufficient. And this is a false gospel. So to put it very simply, the false gospel we read about in Acts 15 is this. Jesus plus the law equals salvation. This is what they were arguing. Jesus plus the law equals salvation. Now these men were terribly wrong. But they believed they were being biblical. Many of these Jewish men were so used to being trained in their old ways of the Old Testament law that they weren't really sure what to do with it once they met Jesus. The problem is they didn't adapt well, and they're confusing many people, and they're mistaken terribly. Because these men believe, yes, Jesus is great, He's necessary, but so is the Old Testament law. They put it on equal level playing fields. They believe that all people who want to follow Jesus must be circumcised. Now, circumcision was an act of Israel that set themselves apart from the rest of the world. For someone to belong to the nation of Israel, if a male wanted to belong to the nation of Israel, he must be circumcised. And then he would be identified as being an Israelite, part of the people of God, the nation of God. 
And then you would follow the Old Testament laws, dietary laws, Sabbath rules, regulations. Read through the first five books of the Old Testament and you'll see. That's part of the Old Testament. But now, Jesus, for example, when he came on the scene in Matthew 5, 17, says he has come to fulfill the law. Yes, it was important. Yes, it's the Word of God. But now Jesus fulfills it and completes it. And now He's going to give a new covenant, a new testament to His people. And men will not have to be required to be circumcised to belong to the people of God. No, now if you want to belong to the people of God, you simply believe in Jesus. You don't do all these other things to belong in the nation. No, all nations can belong because all nations can believe. Not being circumcised, not following the Sabbath rules, but no, we can now believe. So these Jews in our passage in Acts 15 believed, yes, Jesus matters, but we're going to add a further step, a further obstacle, a further requirement to salvation. And this is deadly. Because if this group was right, that means that most of the converts that we've seen so far in our study of the book of Acts are false converts. If you have to be circumcised, if you have to follow the Old Testament law very carefully, then most of the people who've been saved in our book of Acts aren't actually living that out. And Paul and Barnabas, yes, they were circumcised, but they're no longer following the rules like dietary laws, Sabbath regulations. So are they false converts too? So is this whole book of Acts already a wash and a wipeout because it doesn't matter because that's a false gospel? So this is a big moment here. Which gospel is going to win out? This false gospel proclaiming that one's keeping of the law is necessary for salvation. That means that the perfect life, the atoning death of Jesus, the victorious resurrection from the dead is not good enough to save someone. Rather, they say you must behave well enough or do this one righteous deed and then you can be saved. It's a balancing work between Jesus and your own work. This is poisonous and dangerous. And it sounds maybe moral and righteous. Sometimes we think we have to practice enough good things or be righteous enough for God to forgive us and God to accept us. But in reality, that's a dose of poison. I mean, imagine having a glass of water and you see someone put in a couple drops of poison in there. The water still may look pure and clear, but are you going to drink it? You will not. If you do... You're going to fall over. But when you add something to the gospel, it may look good, it may look moral, it may look righteous, but if it's not the true gospel, it will be deadly to you. So this church in Antioch is is hearing this gospel and they're confused. Who are they to believe? This group of Jews requiring circumcision? Or are they going to listen to Paul and Barnabas? So Paul and Barnabas have been debating these guys for probably many days, many weeks, and all of a sudden they realize they need to go get more backup. So we see in verse 4 that they went to the church in Jerusalem. And in verse 6, the elders or the pastors of that church, as well as the apostles, and the apostles are the men who spent time with Jesus. They all gathered to discuss this controversy, and this is the first church council. And leaders of this church gathered together. Luke records that Peter speaks up first. 
then Paul and Barnabas, then James, and these four Christian leaders all stand up and reject the false gospel of these Jewish men, and they continue to affirm the true gospel of Jesus. They declare you don't have to be circumcised before salvation. You don't have to follow the Old Testament law before salvation. Simply believe in Jesus. And Peter, in verses 7 through 11, proclaims that he himself has preached to the Gentiles, people who are not circumcised, people who are not following the Old Testament law, and guess what happened? God gave them the Holy Spirit when they believed. So Peter's asking, if you have to be circumcised to be saved, then why would God give his own presence to people who aren't saved? God gives his Holy Spirit to those who are forgiven from their sins because a holy God can't dwell in evil or in a sick body. So Peter says, look, there's proof that Gentiles don't have to be circumcised because they themselves have the Holy Spirit, just like you and I do. He saves the hearts of Jews as he saves the hearts of Gentiles. And Peter proclaims that there is no distinction between Jews or Gentiles. And then he condemns this false gospel of circumcision and law by calling it a yoke on the neck, a burden, something to weigh someone down, not give them relief, not give them comfort, not deliverance, but a burden. In verse 12, Paul and Barnabas share about their missionary journey and the many Gentiles who were not circumcised, how they came to faith. Verse 13, James stands up. And James, by the way, is the brother of Jesus Christ. And he speaks... And he says, even the Old Testament affirms this truth. And he quotes from Amos chapter 9, which is a prophecy that one day the nations, the Gentiles, the uncircumcised will come to salvation in the Lord. So you have these four church leaders who stand up to condemn this false gospel. And they stand up to affirm the true gospel. And the true gospel is defined, if you look at it in verse 11, when Peter says, but we believe that we will be saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus just as they will. Not circumcision, not works of the law, not Jesus plus this. No, by the grace, the free and unmerited work of Jesus. Jews and Gentiles are saved the same way by the grace of of Jesus. And this is what the true gospel is. It's Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. That's the true gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Friends, we do not have to bring our good behavior or our religious resume or our righteous deeds to Jesus for him to say, yes, I will approve you for salvation now. We need nothing but Jesus. We bring nothing but our sin to the salvation equation. That's it. How does one become a Christian? How does one find salvation from sins? Romans 10 verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Not circumcision. Not a good act. Not cleaning up your life for behavior modification. No, if you believe that Jesus died and resurrected for you and you want to follow him all the days of your life, you will be saved. 
You bring nothing but your sin to Jesus, and He delivers you. He saves you. As Peter says, salvation comes by the grace of Jesus, the free gift of Jesus, the work of Jesus. We don't work for salvation. We don't add anything to it. We can't bring anything to the table. We receive Him. The sermon will resume after a testimony from the collective choir. Before Christ, I was enthralled in drug addiction. I had a crippling arthritic condition, and my life was spiraling out of control. When I met Christ four years ago, I surrendered my life to Him, and I was willing to do it His way. I had to lay down my will and gain His, and gain a strong relationship with Him. Soon, I would have a completely different mindset, transformed heart, and He revealed the truth to me, and what we all mean what all this means and who he is, how he is, that he loves us, he's got a plan and a purpose for us. He revealed that purpose, that plan for my life, and it was him. He is purpose. He led me into the children's ministry at my church, CBBC, and from then on, I consistently sought him with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my strength. I've never looked back. Wow. I've just been doing these testimonies in the order that they were made. So that was pretty cool. That lined up very well. A testimony for God with the choir and CVBC. Pretty cool. All right, here's back to the sermon from Pastor Troy Salava at Chippewa Valley Bible Church. And this was such an important truth that we see in verses 22 all the way to 35 that these Christian leaders then spread this message from town to town proclaiming the true gospel and resisting the false gospel. So they're telling other churches that they need to not follow this thinking of these Jewish Christians. Rather, as the Gentiles did, they should rejoice and to continue to worship Jesus freely without the burdens of circumcision in Old Testament law. Because of men faithfully holding to the word of God, the gospel here, you and I can gather this morning in Chippewa Falls to worship. We don't have to conform to Jewish regulation. We don't have to jump through hoops for us to find salvation. There are no other requirements except bringing your sin to Jesus, and then you are welcomed by Christ. So you and I can gather as Gentiles today because of this moment and because of 2,000 years of church history of people protecting the true gospel. Now we are a church, a CVBC, that proclaims the true gospel, that Jesus died for our sins, that he resurrected from the dead, and those who confess that he is Lord will be saved and have eternal life. We preach that. And you have not, nor will you hear a man in this pulpit stand up here and say, you must be circumcised to be a Christian. Or you must follow these dietary laws to be a Christian. Praise be to God, because Christmas is coming up, and cookies and... But you might be wondering... What is the point of this passage for me today? Is this simply just a read through a history book of a scene in Christian history just to appreciate it? Well, yeah, we should appreciate it, but what does this actually mean for you today? Because I don't think you are tempted, like these Christians were, to want to be circumcised to be a Christian. 
I don't think you're tempted by many of the Old Testament dietary laws. I don't think you walk around wondering, oh, should I do this? Should I do that? It's from the Old Testament. But I do believe that for the rest of history, until Jesus returns, we will face false gospels. There will be false teachings or false philosophies that try to grab our attention that in reality actually rob Jesus of his salvific glory. And as a Christian, and as a member of this church, I'm called to stand up and fight for the true gospel and forsake all other false gospels, things that attempt to take away glory from Jesus. And this church will continue to preach the true gospel of Jesus, and we will fight for it and stand together and lift it up, for the true gospel is the most important thing. So specifically, I want to show you from this passage Two reasons why Chippewa Valley Bible Church will continue to fight for the true gospel. That we will be a gospel-founded and a gospel-centered church because of this passage. And you may be tired of us always preaching the gospel. Sorry, not sorry. We're not stopping. We're going to preach and stand up for the true gospel. Here's the first reason why. Because the true gospel saves and the false gospel enslaves you. The true gospel saves and the false gospel enslaves you. Peter boldly proclaims that the true gospel of Jesus, that his grace is what saves us. That's what verse 11 is about. Salvation comes from the free gift of Christ, not Jesus plus anything else. Not my own strength or my own record or my own wisdom or some other philosophy. No, no. Salvation comes from the grace of Jesus. And Peter, and Paul, and Barnabas, and James, and faithful Christians in our passage fought and defended and debated to keep the true gospel at the forefront of the church. Why? Because the true gospel, belief in Jesus, and Jesus alone is what saves someone. And that's the foundation of Christianity, the foundation of the church, and it's going to be the foundation of our church. We will defend the true gospel and we will stand up for it because this gospel is the only means for men and women right now who are destined and condemned to hell to be saved from their sins and adopted in the family of God to spend eternity with our good God. Only the true gospel can save someone. The only way for someone to be forgiven from their sins And to find deliverance is the gospel. There is no other option. Jesus is the only way. Remember those those toys you give to your kids where they have to match shapes up with the hole once they get the right shape and it falls through the bucket, right? Well, I watched my son Haddon pick up a circle shape and he tries to stuff it through a square hole and it doesn't fit well. Or he takes the square shape and tries to stuff it through the triangle hole, and then he soon gives up out of anger. But he's got to understand that there's one right piece for each right hole. It makes sense. And for salvation, there is one and only one gospel. One and only one way to salvation. You can't force another gospel or another teaching or another philosophy to try to deliver you from sins and offer you the satisfaction that your soul's longing for. There is one piece that fits that soul. And it's the gospel. The only way for our sins against our holy God to be forgiven is to receive the sacrificial death of Christ on your behalf. That's the only way. 
And friends, some of you are living your life right now as if as long as I do more good than bad, I will reach heaven. That, and you might be moral people in the eyes of society. You may not break many laws or you give up your time and money. You buy coffee for others at work. You volunteer in the community. You avoid doing things that many of your friends or co-workers do. And people would look at you and say, yeah, you're a good person. You're moral. And you may be moral in the eyes of society, but the only way for you to find forgiveness before our holy God is through Jesus Christ. God does not need your good deeds. God does not need your righteousness to find salvation. No, all of salvation is the work of God. And the only righteousness you need is the righteousness of Jesus. And He has it, and He gives it to you freely, not with any effort on your own part. He gives it to you freely when you confess that you have sins and you need a Savior. Then you are clothed and robed and wrapped up in His righteousness. He doesn't need your righteousness. He doesn't need your resume or your good deeds or your religious attendance. The only salvation and the only righteousness you get comes by the gift, the grace of Jesus. So friends, you don't need to clean up your act to come to Jesus. You don't need to bring your resume and be good enough to find salvation. Friends, stop trying to live a good life on your own. Run to Jesus with your sins and your imperfections and your poor history. To think you must do good enough to have salvation is a false gospel. It's trying to fit a square peg through a circle hole. You can try all day you want. You can try every day, all year, your whole life, and guess what? It won't fit. And the thing is, if you keep trying to do enough good to reach heaven, you will find out that you feel like you are more in slavery than you were before. You will not find deliverance or satisfaction. You will feel like you are in prison. Also, there, there is no other religion or worldview or philosophy that can save you. You can't go through the religious buffet line and pick all the things you want from all the other religions and philosophies and put them together. Jesus is the only way. So trying to take some of this and some of that and some of this karma and some of this mysticism and some of this meditation, some of this self-help philosophy, and yeah, this teaching of Jesus and this teaching of that guy, and put them together on your plate, guess what? You won't find salvation. You may end up with more ideas. Great. You may end up with more knowledge. Fantastic. But you're just as lost as you were before and probably way more confused. And you will find yourself still chained to your sin, shackled by your sin. And the only way for you to be free of that sin and that burden and that yoke is to come to Jesus and receive the true gospel. So if that's you and you, you can hear me and you're trying all these things, you're trying to work towards heaven, you think you're a good person, you're looking at this religion or that religion, this self-help philosophy, this New Year's resolution is going to do it for you this year, whatever it is, stop. Run to Jesus. But brothers and sisters in Christ, that was all for you too. Yes, you probably have an awareness of these things. 
you are saved. But guess what? You're going to be tempted to turn to other religions or man-made philosophies. You will be tempted still to try to bring your good works to God and say, God, if I bring this to you, then you'll give me what I want. Or God, I have to be good enough for you to give me your favor. And we still as Christians wrestle with this stuff. And we're still going to be plagued with the things of the world. And you have to know they won't satisfy. We will be tempted to live a life of behavior modification to where the external looks really good, but our heart is rotting on the inside. And everyone who is within an earshot of me, listen to this. Listen to this. This is kind of the core. The only way for someone to be forgiven and satisfied and have an eternal life with God is through bringing their sin to Jesus and letting Him do all the work. That's it. If you want salvation, you come to Jesus. And that's why we will continue to preach the gospel every week, every day, because that's the only way people go from being condemned to hell in their own sins to being adopted is by the preaching and sharing of the gospel of Jesus. The only thing that actually sets you free from your shackles. That's why we'll keep defending the true gospel. But the second reason why we at CVBC and as individual Christians will continue to proclaim and defend the true gospel is because the true gospel unites people together in a church and the false gospel divides the church. The true gospel unites the church, false gospel divides the church. Think of our passage, you have this Jewish men who are drawing a line in the sand saying, you must be circumcised in order to be saved, and thus you must be circumcised in order to belong to our church. After much discussion and debating, the church realized this was wrong. This would actually taint and pollute the actual true gospel and it would divide the church of Christ. And the true gospel of Jesus, you know what it does? It unites all people together who confess that Jesus is Lord. Circumcised or uncircumcised. Jew or Gentile. This church in Acts 15, the church in Antioch, okay? They had people from all different types of backgrounds and ethnicities and political persuasions. You had Roman elites, Jewish Pharisees who kept the law, and former pagan worshipers. And you had it all. And yet, the true gospel is what saved them all and brought them into a family where they could say, you're my brother and you're my sister. Any other gospel, any false gospel, cannot unite people together like the true gospel can. The Jewish men in this story were trying to say, you must be circumcised to belong. You can believe all this other stuff, but if you don't do this one thing, you're out. Whereas the true gospel says, if you believe you have sinned and Jesus alone can save you, you are free to belong and you are free to be welcomed here. The church becomes a place of of refuge, a safe place in a world of division and strife. We can come to a local church with differences and backgrounds and histories, and yet we can belong in a loving family because the true gospel has unified us. Thus, when we evangelize here, we preach the gospel here, we don't say, you must look like this, 
or you must have this view on this topic. No, we preach the gospel, the true and simple gospel. We don't set up an obstacle or an additional requirement that the Bible does not lay out. We preach the true gospel, and when someone receives the gospel, they are welcomed into what we call the universal church. All Christians everywhere united by the gospel, and they're welcome here at our church to sing and to gather and pray and come along other Christians because the thing that unites us is stronger than everything else that could attempt to divide us. There is nothing stronger in unifying people than the gospel. Whereas the false gospel in Acts 15 says you must be circumcised to belong. And it's contrary to the gospel, contrary to the New Testament, contrary to Jesus. It's adding a requirement that will divide people and will weaken the church. And the church and Christianity will fail to be what Jesus called it to be. Thus we proclaim the true gospel and you don't jump through hoops for salvation. We don't ask you to look a certain way. To have a certain track record. To give a certain amount of money. To vote a certain way. James Montgomery Boyce said this. Do you ever think that other people have to become like you to be saved? If so, you are probably far from truly understanding the biblical gospel. God declares that salvation is found in grace and grace alone. And that's what unifies Christians together, not personalities or politics or family histories, but the work and the life of Jesus. And CVBC family, You should be able to worship and gather and love and claim one another as brothers and sisters in Christ despite differences on things. You should be able to joyfully claim one another as brothers and sisters despite all the differences. Why? Because the gospel is what's called us together and adopted us into the same family. Now, I'm not saying that any member here can have any opinion on whatever they do. They can say whatever they want to say. They can do whatever they want to do. No, we're not saying that. There is Christian accountability. But to come into the kingdom of God, you simply must confess that Jesus is Lord. We will continue to pursue Jesus together. I mean, our own passage here in verse 20, they command the Gentile believers to avoid four things. Why? Because that's what Christ-like people do. But we don't do things to get God. We do things as a response to finding God out of the overflow of our heart. But this church in Antioch and our church here in Chippewa Falls, we will have differences and distinctions. We will view topics differently. We will vote differently. We will prefer different types of music. We will end up on different sides. And yet, what is more important to us? Those distinctions or the gospel. We are declaring that the gospel will win out every single time. One of the things that we're passionate about here at church is what we call church membership. Now, church membership is not salvation. It's not a way to reach heaven. It's not the express way that gets you to God's favor quicker than everybody else. But what church membership is, is a way for an individual like you to covenant or promise yourself to us, the church body. It's an official way to say, I'm going to push you towards Christ as you, the church, push me towards Christ. We correct each other, encourage each other, affirm one another. We belong together as brothers and sisters. It's a wonderful thing, and yet, what maybe the most beautiful part of it is 
that when we commit to being church members together, we're committing to loving each other, praying for one another, befriending one another, pushing each other, claiming each other, despite our differences. We do all of these family things, yet knowing that we may land on different sides of the aisle. And this is what makes the church so beautiful. The gospel has unified us, and church membership, for example, is a commitment to fellowshipping with each other in the midst of diversity. It's beautiful. Francis Schaeffer once said, If we do not show beauty in the way we treat each other, then in the eyes of the world and in the eyes of our own children, we are destroying the truth that we proclaim. If us, the local church, if CVBC does not act in a way consistent with the gospel that saved us, then we're going to destroy that gospel message when we take it to the world, take it to our kids. If we can't love one another through the gospel, how can the world turn to Jesus? The fact that we can gather together with joy despite differences in the midst of diversity is beautiful and a fruit of the gospel. Another pastor Ray Ortland said this, The beauty of human relationships in the church is itself an argument for the gospel. We as church members have received the gospel already, and we are called to live that out in how we treat one another and love each other and claim one another. This is why we keep preaching the gospel, even if you've already heard it a billion times, because we need it. It does affect our relationships. Every other false gospel is something that requires something in addition to Christ. And every other philosophy will find uh, Jesus insufficient. Some have said before, you have to have a certain skin color or a certain voting record or for everyone to agree on a certain opinion. That's not essential. If you do that, if you draw that unnecessary line in the sand, the church will fail and will divide. But the beauty of Christians coming together under the umbrella of the true gospel is that we can freely love one another and yet we can disagree and it will not affect our fellowship or our care. So when I show up to church on Sunday mornings, I'm declaring to you that the gospel unifies us and that is the most important thing and that you are my brother, you are my sister, and that's what matters this morning. Yeah, we may do things differently, yet it doesn't truly matter because the gospel is what truly matters. So church, if we change or we edit or we tweak the gospel, we will be offering the lost a false gospel that will not save them. If we change or edit or tweak the gospel, we will cause disruption and damage to our own body. So the true gospel matters. And friends, these are just two reasons why we will continue to proclaim and defend the true gospel. And if we stopped doing that, we would stop being a Christian church. And you don't want that. I don't want that. The Lord doesn't want that. So we together can bask in the beauty and the glory of the gospel. And I'm thankful, brothers and sisters, that God saved us by the same gospel, and we get to display that to one another. So let's love one another like the gospel has saved us and unified us, because it truly has. It truly has. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have demonstrated your love towards us, that while we were still sinners, your son Jesus died for us. 
He would save sinners like us, and then you would call us to belong to one another. We can encourage each other, love one another, claim each other, weep with one another, rejoice with one another. We can do all these things because the gospel has united us. So let this church be a church that's unified around the gospel. And for anyone who does not know the gospel this morning, call them to salvation and to belong with us. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again to Pastor Troy for sharing his sermon with us. Again, you can find them at cvbc.net or in person 531 East South Avenue, Chippewa Falls. Again, you can always check out the Collective Choir at collectivechoir.org. You can stream us on Spotify, check out our recent Christmas concert on YouTube. Thank you guys for listening, tuning into this podcast. Hope you had a great Christmas. Have a happy new year, and please come join us in the new year at 6 o'clock on Monday evenings at Valleybrook Church for rehearsals and community with the Collective Choir. Thanks for listening to the House of God podcast presented by the Collective Choir on Eau Claire Hometown Media. To find out more about the Collective Choir or the church you heard about in this podcast, please follow us on Facebook or visit www.collectivechoir.org.